Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. This is this this section, this group of sections that we're in right now. Actually, this week and next week's are really, really complementary with each other. If I were a um, teacher, <laughs> which I am, and I was, I was like, teaching, wait a minute, you are a teacher. <laughs> I know. I think what I would do is, well, maybe this works out in church. You know how you mix two lessons together? I should have looked at that ahead, but I would teach 46 with 50, mm. like in the same We were just lesson. talking about that because 46 starts out and then it's like there's this little detour and then you come right back into what he was talking about. We'll yeah. do that next week when right. we... Well, so maybe that works out in church. I, I, you know, that where you can link them together, but they are there thematically. They, they go along really well with each other. Um, so here's kind of what's going on. We're in Ohio, right? And um, I wish we really were in Ohio. And once we were. Yes. <laughs> last <laughs> summer. And we shall again. Um, so there they are in Ohio. And, and we'll talk more about this in section 50. But you should just know that we have got all these people who are coming from all of these different faith mm-hmm. traditions, you know, coming in. And they are practicing their religion in some wild ways. We'll read some of those stories next time maybe, but legit, there is just a lot going on that like people are thinking to themselves, is this the right way that you do church? You know, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if this is, uh, you know, and people are confused. And, and also you've got um, people who are, there's a, a great story in the beginning of, of the chapter in, in this book of a set of missionaries who are preaching in a meeting and all of a sudden somebody came up and knelt down to pray. And when they knelt, like in the middle of the meeting, in the middle of the meeting, knelt down to pray. And then once he knelt down, it was kind of a sign to a bunch of bandits and thugs to attack. And so people are thinking, we got to be careful about letting bad guys and enemies into our church meetings, because what if people are coming to hijack the meeting? And 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 this time, in Joseph's time, um, in the, the saints back here's time, they didn't have like a you know, today, if you go to sacrament, I mean, you kind of have an expectation of what the outline is going to be of it. And that was not the case in their meetings back then. We'll see in just a second what the outline used to be right here in the section. So this is people's thoughts. This is what's going on in people's minds. Like, how do we protect our meetings from bandits? <laughs> Somebody used the word bandit, by the way. <laughs> and how do we like... And, and, and these spiritual manifestations of people when they have dreams and visions and tongues and are, is that really how we're supposed to teach each other? And so we're just kind of getting our feet under us as a people trying to learn church, you know, is what's happening in this section. Um, so 46 kind of starts to address that. We'll get into 47 and 48, which are just kind of almost like um, little logistical questions for callings. You know, in the church, but I think it'll tie in. Um, and you end. love, in mine, I have just written at the top, the rules of church. Because that's kind of what you see as you jump into this. And you just kind of wish this was still the rules of church, which well, it wait, is. Well, it is. I was going to say, um, what are you talking about? But we don't, we don't, like, talk about them as the rules of church. They're just kind of, like, known as the rules. And now when I read it, to. I was like, oh, I just love that these are the rules of church. Yeah. In verse 3, From now says, on. Well... It always has been. Should we put this under visitors welcome? Yes. Okay, the, now the, the thing is going to say, church. here are the rules of our church. Number one, visitors welcome. That's actually rule number two in a second. But. So you love when it um, says this in verse two. 
Notwithstanding these things which are written, it always has been given to the elders of my church from the beginning and ever shall be. See, it was a rule. It is a rule. And it this always will be the yeah. rule. This is the first rule of the church, everyone. To conduct all meetings as they are directed and guided by the Holy Spirit. Which I think happens. But sometimes it happens like more obviously than others. In fact, remember that one state conference I told you about where we had all planned our talks and then the 70 who came said, everybody throw your talks away and come back tomorrow with whatever you have felt impressed to say overnight. That's like, in my mind, leading a meeting by the spirit. It was like, whoa. And it actually was one of the most powerful meetings I've ever attended mm. in my life. But I think, too, watching, you've been in a bishopric, and Greg has been in a bishopric. And, and you've been in ward council, which is And watching that right, process of the... um, coming up with who's going to speak and right. what songs are going to be sung and, and all that goes into that for a sacrament meeting, but also, yes, in Relief Society meetings, in Sunday school meetings, in that it is that is a spirit-directed, what, what talk do we need to study or what message do we need to have that we do see that kind of happening within our church meetings, right. if Does we're that, aware. Right, because it's kind of a loaded rule, right? Because like you really can blame anything on the Holy Spirit. Like, you could do crazy <laughs> stuff and blame it, right? Which we'll see next time. But also, I just think maybe it's a mindset of if I'm in charge of the meeting, which I think that's the rule for that person. You know, if you're kind of in charge of that meeting, then go in with that frame of reference, mm. you know, where it's just like, this is a great plan. But I am willing to abandon this plan. I feel like this plan was inspired. I sought for that. And then now, you know, I, I just want to always have one eye open, one ear open to yes. heaven and just say, oh, if there's so anything good. that you should, that we should do differently in this, then for sure, let's do, yeah. let's do Let, it differently. Let's be ready to hear. And I feel like when I was bishop a couple of times, I can remember that happening is I would switch like the closing song. Mm. You know, sometimes and just be like, Jenny one time said, don't ever call people out of the crowd or they'll stop coming to church. <laughs> so <laughs> like, yeah, just wanted to call her yeah, out exactly. of the crowd. So but bad. I just think it's like, um, yeah, most of the time it will probably follow in, in this way. When I was a missionary, President Hinckley gave advice to missionaries and he said, you should teach the lessons in the order that Preach My Gospel teaches them because that's a really inspired, logical way to teach them unless you're directed to change. Hmm. So there kind of was an inspired set. And then it was like, but always keep your heart oh, open like to the change. Um, the second rule of the church is, is one better. of my favorites. It says... Well, and it works if you're following rule one. Because yes. the Holy Spirit would never do Yes. Nevertheless, <laughs> you're commanded never to cast anyone out from your public meetings, which are held before the world. And... Um, you're also commanded not to cast anyone who belongeth to the church out of your sacrament meetings. And it kind of goes into this, just that visitors welcome, but also all people are welcome. And this is, this is a place for the welcoming in. If you look in your footnotes, it's going to take you to 3rd Nephi 18. And that is such a fun place to go to. Um, so let's just go there for a second really quick. And this actually chapter is one that the, they were looking at historically during Doctrine and Covenants 46, is they were like, oh, are, should we follow the council taught 
by the Savior in 3 Nephi 18 when he was talking about the rules of church, you know, or do we need to bend them and change them because it's a new time? So this was actually on their minds at the time. And you love when you start, I'm just going to start in verse 30 of chapter 18. Nevertheless, you shall not cast him out from among you, but you shall minister unto him and shall pray for him unto the Father in my name. And then I love when it goes down into 32. Nevertheless, ye shall not cast him out of your synagogues or your places of worship, for unto such shall ye continue to minister. For ye know not but what they will return and repent and come unto me with full purpose of heart. And I shall heal them and you shall be the means. There is such a great lesson here. And I, I love that we're told in the footnote to hop over here because I love that he tells us here the second rule of the church is anyone who wants to come can come and we welcome them in. But I love that in Third Nephi, it shows us how. What does like welcoming in actually look like? And the thought that you minister to them and you pray for them in his name and you receive them. And that thought about continue to minister. And then I love his reason why, because you don't know anyone who walks in the doors, you don't know what they're going to do. Mm. If their heart might sometimes change, you don't know. Um, I know what to do with the people who walk in, but you might be the means of me being able to heal them. And it makes me think to myself, oh, I don't ever want to get in the way of him being able to do his work. Mm. And I think maybe that is, we were talking about this earlier, maybe this is where this fits, because now we would probably put a number three on there, on that list, rules of the church, which if you come back to verse 46, it's verse seven, but I think it's what you're saying is, let me describe to you how to act in a way. Because nobody, when it says don't cast anybody out of your meetings, I guarantee today in 99.7% of all, there's not a bouncer yes. in front casting people out. Yeah. So the question is, are there other ways that I'm accidentally casting mm, people out by so the good. way that I'm acting? You know, like is, do I put off an unwelcoming spirit? you know, when, when I'm there and, and it's my job to be a welcomer, but verse seven yeah, I love seems when you to get be, to seven. Yeah, in fact, I wrote on top of mine, this is the rules for the members. So you have the rules for the church and then you wait, have which this is little, the rules for the members, well, um, rules the for the members of what does it actually look like? Like the church at large, you're going to do this, but like me personally, I love that it's more like, are you doing this? Are you doing this as you go through um, in seven? So it's like a list, right? In all things. But he says, you're commanded not to cast people out of your public meetings. And I think that's important because we do have some meetings um, and places that are for specific purposes that aren't open to the public. Mm -hmm. So he's talking specifically sacrament meetings and meetings like that. You're, but you are commanded to ask of God who giveth liberally. That's such a good line. And that which the Spirit testifies unto you, even so I would that you should do it in all holiness of heart. Oh, I love that line so much. That thought about, remember holiness in the Bible dictionary is defined as things or places set apart for a sacred purpose. And don't you love that your place, your heart could be set apart for a sacred purpose? Yeah. And what if it was? Then when people walked into that building and your heart was set apart for a sacred purpose, how are you going to treat that person? And what is that going to look like? And 
you're kind of on the Lord's errand. Yeah, and, and what have you went in thinking to yourself that you are on his errand? And I had forgotten about this until last Sunday, actually, interestingly enough, that, you know, I used to sit in church. And when I would sit in, in a talk that wasn't my favorite or something, or just sitting there, I would just start looking around and being like, well, what can I do? right when this meeting's over, or who can I send a message to? And and just kind of put that, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I'm just saying like, it felt like I was doing church right. Mm. When I was like looking around wondering, when this meeting's over, like right at the amen, who should I go to? Mm. Or what can I send? And then I think like Corona got me out of that a little bit, you know, obviously, yeah. It kind of got all of us out. And we do, we do, um, I mean, we're just a little bit more, like yeah, this, yeah. When we go to church. And it's not my personality, but it became yeah, my new personality. personality. <laughs> Anyways, just last Sunday, interestingly enough, I just kind of like remembered that again. And I was like, oh yeah, I think that is doing... But that idea of like, set me apart to do your work. And your work is people. So who is it? Yeah. You know? What's... And how important that job is. I'll never forget when Garrett first moved into our house and started going to church. Do you remember this story? It's one of my favorite. And... We were planning a family trip and we were going to end up being out of town over Sunday. And he came down and stood at our door on the night we had talked about this trip. Everyone was super excited about the trip. And I'll never forget him just leaning against the door jam and saying, are we going to be back in time for church on Sunday? And I was like, oh, I don't, I bet we won't be back. So we'll do something where we are. And he's like, oh, I can't miss church. I'm like, oh, it's okay to miss church. Like, as long as we get church somewhere, you're going to be okay to miss church. He was just getting back in the habit of like, how do you do church? And he's like, I know, but I'm getting sustained in my calling today or Mm. on Sunday. And Mm. I was like, oh, that's okay. They can sustain you if you're not there. And he's like, I know, but I think, I mean, it's my calling. And I remember (laughs) saying to him, aren't you the greeter? And he was like, Yes. And in my mind, I was like, (laughs) if you were like, I don't know why, the elders corn president, I would feel like you needed to be there. But it just was a mind shift for me that all of a sudden I was like, he was like, I'm the greeter. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm getting sustained as my calling and I'm the greeter and I need to be there. And all of a sudden that calling like elevated in my mind that I was like, I love that you think that calling is so important. And now who's my, who's my creator? Like yeah. is my creator taking it that seriously um, when I walk into church and just how cute and tender it was to realize, and we're gonna talk about this in a minute, that everybody is bringing something important to the table. And for some of us, that is being the greeter. Yeah, yeah, and maybe better than- Yeah, because you're you the know, welcoming like, in. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But just, anyways, every phrase in here, you could walk uprightly before me. Almost like, oh, who did I just hear sing this week? Let me be your hands. Let mm. me be your voice. That's what that line makes me think. Considering the end of your salvation. We really adore that line, the idea of it. just keep in mind the end hope. Both of who you hope you can become. I just listened to a podcast this week where a lady was like, I like to think about what kind of grandma I'm going to be. <laughs> and then I want to make decisions that like are going to help me become that someday. But like salvation, remember, is a kind of a 
it's more of a community yeah. idea. Like, what's my, what's the end hope of all this? And am I contributing to that? And it's everybody together, right? right? That's the end Salvation's hope. Salvation's not everybody single. Everybody together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do everything with prayer, with thanksgiving. Um, and these are all so that you don't, you're not seduced by evil spirits or doctrines of devils or the commandments of men, um, which is going to be the opposite of this. The doctrines of devils and the evil spirits are all trying to break people apart. And they're trying to like cause division and make it an unwelcoming place. Mm-hmm. So let's change that by, by doing this. And, and before we move on to his next advice, which is kind of the opposite of doctrines of devil, you know, the dividing up. I just, I love this concept that's just kind of been thinking a lot recently where someone might read seven and hear what we're talking about and say, I wish the church was more like that. You know, like they might find, like, I wish we were more welcoming. I yeah. wish we were more this. Someone might say that. And and to you, I think I would say, well, you are the church. Hmm. You, you are the church. And so if you wish it was more of something, the second that you begin employing those principles, the church, us, we become more like that. You know, and I just think that's really, really important to we're it. Yeah. We're the church. Yeah. You know? I love when I was at a women's conference and I think it was Julie Beck was speaking to a group of women and she said, we always say they will do it. They will take care of it. And then she said this, who's they? Yeah. <laughs> right. I am they. You are they. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's so true. If we could just start, like, just, just think about that. If you could walk into church with your heart set apart for a sacred purpose this week, just like you did. What would it change in your church, you know? And and what if that's just how we lived every day? Well, and if you did, if somebody walked in with a heart set apart for a sacred purpose, you could rightly say, my church is a place where people come in with a heart set apart for a Mm. sacred purpose because you are the church. Yes. You know? I love that. So he moves on to this, really focuses on, on just one of those principles here. Ask of God who giveth liberally. Um... We're, he says, we're trying to avoid being deceived by this idea that we're enemies with each other, mm-hmm. that we are in a race against each other, um, that we have to be better than each other. That is what the doctrine of devils seems to be. Mm-hmm. The opposite of Zion is what the doctrines of devils are. And he says, I have something to teach you about how to get your mind set on that end salvation, how to get yourself, your heart put on that holy purpose. And for the rest of the chapter, this is what he expounds on. And it is the idea of, in verse 8, to seek ye earnestly the best gifts. The idea of spiritual gifts, which comes in every book of scripture. I know. It's so awesome. It really does. You're going to find it in the New Testament. We're going to talk about this in a minute. In the Book of Mormon, we find it right here in the Doctrine and Covenants. And there's something cool about it happening in all those places because it's like, wait, these are gifts that God has poured out on all places, upon all people, in all, you know, yeah. all periods of time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so we've got this little thing to fill out here where we just start learning. What do we learn about this idea? One, we learn you should earnestly seek for these gifts. Um, there's that line in nine and it says, um, well, the end of eight and nine, always remembering for what they are given for they are given. And I just like that, that word, I like to pause on that. It's like, these are gifts. They are given. They are bestowed. They aren't like Mm -hmm. earned, Earned. right? These are, 
things that are from God as, as a gift, and they are given for the benefit, right, of, this is the group, those who love me and keep my commandments, is what it says. And you might get super discouraged when it says, well, <laughs> I struggle with that. But then yeah, this especially line comes. when it says all my oh, yeah, commandments. All. <laughs> you know, he's like, you got if you want a gift, you got to keep all my commandments. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm probably not getting one. Yeah. So <laughs> let's give some hope there too. Remember one time someone asked Jesus, could you list all your commandments? And he said, mm-hmm. love God, love people. So <laughs> first of all, we can really simplify it yes. by love me and keep all my other commandments, which mm-hmm. includes love people. But then he says this, and him that seeketh so to do. That's in that same verse, verse 9. To him that keeps all my commandments, who loves God and loves people really well. But really that means those who are just trying to do that. That is, because nobody does that. It just makes you think of Christmas, right? And how many times when your kids are at that one age, when they're just certain they're getting cold the next day. (laughs) Did you have, have any of your kids done that where they're like, am I going to get cold? And, um. Josh was my one that was so worried about that every time as it was leading up. And he's such a good boy that I always was like, why are you even thinking about Cole right now? But in my mind, I was like, no, I know what's in the present closet and it's going to be good. Like, you're going to love your Christmas. It's going to be okay, you know? And I just love that thought of thinking he has just the right gift for just the right moment. That's who he is. And that's what he gives and it's going to be different gifts according to our conditions and our particular situations but it's going to be just the right gift for that moment i just have to tell you this now because of the coal thing joan said this christmas he said dad do you know why santa puts coal in some people's stockings and i was like no i don't know and he says my teacher said it's because he's trying to remind people that their potential is a diamond I was like, I love your teacher so much. And now I love Santa even more too because he's like, let me just remind you of your potential. Just give it time. Oh, that's so awesome. He just gives these ideas about these gifts are given to benefit um, everybody, right? They're not, he says, for, for signs or for your own lust to be cooler than, to be better than anybody else. He's like, these gifts are given liberally because it's, it's interesting, it's God's way of saying, this is how I bless the whole, everybody. Mm. I bless everybody by dispersing the gifts among everybody. And in that way, because if you were to add up all the gifts of the Spirit, which there could be one million, let's yes. say. Yeah. If we were to add them all up, the picture that we would have is of Jesus, who, who seems to be the manifestation of all mm. spiritual gifts. And so by dispersing it among all people, what yes. you have now are just all these manifestations of the character of of Christ, like among everybody. Yeah, and you love that because the, the purpose of the gifts is for everyone to be benefited. And it's so interesting because as you go through, you're going to see they kind of come in pairs. Uh, you like this part. Yeah, yeah. Well, because we don't think this is a compliment, I mean, a comprehensive list of all the gifts. But they are listed as complementary gifts, like in twos as you go through. And I think we're being taught something about the community nature of Mm. the gifts, right? Where it's like, to some it is given to know, and to some it is given to believe. 
And it's like, who cares if that person knows unless there's someone to believe? And that person can't believe unless there's somebody to know. It's almost as if God is saying, I'm going to like divide up the gifts so that you need each other. And just because you're really good at one right now doesn't mean that's always your gift. Like I love that one where it talks about to some is given the faith to heal and to others is given the faith to be healed. And I think of a particular time in my life when um, I, I didn't have the faith in the quantity that I probably needed it, but Greg did. And so I let him have the faith to ask for the healing. Because in my mind, I was like, I, I just don't know if I believe it can happen. But I do have the, the faith to be healed and to trade off those, the balancing of, you'll be really good at this right now and I'll be good at this right now. And then we might trade. There, there might be another time when someone else gets to be really good at that thing and, and you're going to be good at something else. Yeah, and I think sometimes you you might want to be the hero. You know, you might want to be like, I, I want to be the one who has the gift to heal. But it's sort of like I want to ask you, like, I know, but didn't you get healed? <laughs> so did it matter who had the yes. gift? At the, at the end of the day, it was, I, I was telling Emily, I had a conversation with, with a friend and she just said, you, you have this ability to like, um, come up with these ideas that are ways of teaching youth and I really really wish that I had that and I was like oh why because if I have it then um, I can just give it to you yeah right? you just come sit on the couch yeah, you, and, you just come spend a night and and write down and don't you love that all of a sudden you have that community yeah, it's like now you've got it because it wasn't given to me for me it was given to me for you and what was given to you is for me and so we're just going to get it from each other, yes. you know? And I love the idea as we read through these gifts too, to realize um, it, it isn't necessary for me to have all the things and for you to have all the things. What's more necessary is for each of us to bring what we have to the table and allow that to work for the greater good of everybody. But sometimes that is really hard because sometimes you do think to yourself, well, I do want to be good at that thing. Mm -hmm. And I see that she's really good at that. And then it, it bothers me a little bit that I'm not, or the backside of that is when someone maybe calls out your weakness in an area and how do you learn to compensate for that? Um, we were talking before many years ago, I had a primary calling and it was my turn for sharing time. And I just am primary is not my strong suite. Everybody. I don't know why, but it's really hard for me to take what's up here and bring it down here. And so I just teach what's up here and hope the spirit like translates that well. And I was in charge of sharing time and I did my best. I worked so hard on it. The thing I worked the hardest on was the posters for sharing time, like until midnight, the night before I was up making these posters for this thing. And later on in that week, I was sitting outside with a group of friends and we kind of were talking about how the week had gone and someone brought up my sharing time and it was kind of one of those things where they were like, it was good. <laughs> good. And I was like, well, I wonder what I could like do better. Cause I know it's not what I'm good at. So like, what could I do better? And one of my friends was like, you should hire out your posters. <laughs> and my first inclination was that it hurt my feelings so bad because I had worked the hardest on the posters. And then I was a little bit embarrassed about the posters too, because I was like, were they like 
that bad? <laughs> Is everyone thinking I should hire out my posters? And I, I thought about that because you know we do. We can't help it. We just have to like cycle through that 25 times and think about what we should have done. And um, at the end of the night when I was going to bed, I was like, I really should hire out my posters. Like, that is the right thing to do. I'm not good at posters. And I don't need to be good at posters because somebody else is good at posters. Mm -hmm. And it was almost so nice to just be like, take that on my off my list of things and focus on this is what I'm actually good at. I will teach scripture. That's what I will do. And somebody else will make a really amazing poster to go with that lesson. And then all of a sudden, someone got invited in, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, people start getting invited in, and maybe that's what the Lord wants. And maybe that's why some of us aren't good at making posters, you know? Because, yeah. because yeah. he likes to say, let's bring her, and let's bring this person. And, and what if this? I love that idea of just how many people can we welcome in? And we need everybody. It's, it's everybody. When you go through this list and you start thinking, we need someone good at administration and we need someone good at operations and we need someone who is good at wisdom and someone else who understands knowledge and we need the people with the faith to heal and the others who understand the working of miracles. When I read that today, I was like, oh, I, I want that friend. Whoever is good at the working <laughs> of miracles. I really want that friend in my life. And um, the ones who know how to discern. I have one daughter-in-law who is so good at discerning people. She's just one of the best that I know. And what a beautiful gift. Mm -hmm. And I love that in her. And I trust that in her. When she says things, I listen because I'm like, that. that is your gift. You are really good at knowing the intentions of someone's heart. And it's just neat that it's just like, oh, in our family, right, we have good discernment. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, why? Because she does. Yes. You yes. know, she does. So we all have good discernment. Yes. Because we have someone in here that, that the ver verse 12 is where this whole concept is mm -hmm. being taught. To some is given one, to some is given another, that all may be profited thereby. Yeah, and I love the thought of that, that it takes all of us. It reminds me, I keep telling you, my favorite quote from conference isn't even a quote. It's a picture, everyone. And I really went upstairs right after the talk was given, and I printed this out on type paper from my printer and just stuck it in this little frame because do you remember this from conference? I think I've shown it before because I love it so much. But Joseph had this uh, flock behind him, and Bram came up to him, and Joseph stopped his carriage and as he stopped, the flock that seemed just like this amazing giant, you know, herd behind him starts coming around and Brigham starts looking at him and he's like, this is the weirdest like assortment of <laughs> animals I've ever seen. And some were healthy and some weren't. Some were sheep and some were goats. Some were like purebred and other ones like they, they had the right coloring and others just didn't. And he said to Joseph, this is like the oddest assortment of animals I've ever seen. And I love when Joseph said to them, oh, but they are all good in their place. And I thought to myself, I think what I love the most about it is I, I oftentimes feel like the goat that doesn't fit, you know? Hmm. Do you ever have those moments where you're just like, I, I just, I sometimes have that thought of like, what am I doing here? And with these people and, and what am I bringing to the table? And I think we all have that moment 
we're all a little different and we all know exactly what our weakness is and we see it really clearly when we're with the rest of the flock, it seems like. And I love that Joseph is teaching what it says in 12, to some is given one and to some it is given another, that all will be profited thereby. And um, just that thought, they are all good in their place. Everyone, so good in their place. And I love the thought of thinking like why and how. Um, we can't pass on from 46 without hitting 15. Um, um, I want to add on this. I was just trying to look at it as you were talking because Elder Gong's talk about the inn. Mm. You know, remember just talking about this is this is what the church looks like. And I just found it. He says, first, we come to the inn as we are with the foibles and imperfections we each have. Yet we all have something needed to contribute. Our journey to God is often found together. Oh, that's so good. Such a good line. And so true. And and I think this about the gifts, and I love that it's hinted at right here, that they're going to change over time. There's gifts that I had as a mother that I'm not as good at now as I was when I was mothering young people. And there have been gifts I've been given in callings that um, I, I don't use that gift anymore, but I, I remember experiencing it at that mm. time. And I love when it says this, it's, it's going to come according as the Lord will, suiting his mercies according to the conditions um, of the children of men. Verse 15. I, yep, in yeah. verse 15, right at the very bottom. He's going to suit those mercies according to your conditions. And I have written in mine, it's almost like it's customized grace is what he's giving you. It's just, let me transform you into this according to your conditions right now. And because he's so merciful, because he has that especially active compassion. And mm -hmm. let me give you this right now. And a little bit later, then maybe something else comes and someone else gets to have that gift for a time. And just that thought of those taking place everywhere. We put on your paper to go into 1 Corinthians 12 and Moroni 10 and DNC 46 and just kind of look at what is different they're all the same, except for there are just, just little... Jumps out. What yeah, jumps out? Yeah, that you're like, yeah. oh, I love that one. Um, I love in Moroni 10 when he says, deny not the gifts, for they are many. And when you said, could you even count mm -hmm. them? How many gifts there are and just the thought of that. And um, then there's that blank box in the bottom right where it's like, okay, so what gifts are not mentioned here that you've discovered in your own journey, in scripture, from patriarchal blessing, where, wherever it may be, what yeah. what are those are those gifts? You know that you notice that you don't see in those other boxes. I I just have to say something about this verse that you we both love this one that line suiting his mercies. But um, it's funny because when I was serving as a bishop, that verse became really really important to me when I was trying to like counsel and guide people through like faith journeys and repentance journeys mm. and stuff like that, that um, that phrase always came to my mind. And I felt like that was the gift that I received, that ability to suit his mercies according to whatever their conditions. Mm. That's such a beautiful so description of a bishop you know? or as a minister, yeah. um, you know, or as a parent. Right. Just being able to learn how, how do you bring his love best 
to someone else. Their particular conditions. That's so good. So this chapter is just so awesome. Let's hint at 47 and 48 well, and, actually, and then end oh, on this. Oh, and in there. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, was, this might lead us into that really quick. Oh, yeah. I think it's just... Well, whatever. Which we can okay, do whichever we let's want. Let's start here first, because I love when he says this. You can't just receive the gift. You you can't just be given the gift. But at the end, he tells us you're gonna practice this, right? You're gonna practice with what I've just told you with virtue and holiness. You are gonna practice using um, these gifts, and you're gonna give thanks for whichever one you get to have right now. You're going to give thanks, and whatever you do, you're gonna do it in the spirit because that's going to increase that gift in you and you get a little giggle out of whatever gift you get you're going to give thanks for because sometimes we don't everybody and that's yeah. what i love about where we're going is sometimes you do get a gift that you're like huh i don't i don't know that i wanted that one yeah so section 47 is um it's actually a calling that was given to john whitmer and this is an interesting discussion on Revelation for another time, but the council of people together decided John Whitmer would be a great historian. But when they told it, and then Joseph was like, okay, I like that idea. I think that's great. <laughs> and so he goes to John Whitmer and tells him, and John Whitmer says, I don't want that calling. Like, I don't even want to do it. Like, I hate it. Um, and can you ask God if the council got that right? <laughs> so he does. And then it's so interesting, 47, is either God saying, yep, the council got it right, or God saying, I approve the decision of the council. We'll never know. It's just interesting to even think about but with he's callings. Gonna be the right? But you're supposed to be the historian, and he just doesn't want to do it. He says, I'll I'll do it. What's his line that's so good? We, we You can so read good. it in here where he's just like... Um, uh, he says, uh, I was appointed by the voice of the elders. Joseph asked him to write and he said, I would rather not do it, <laughs> but observe that the will of the Lord be done. And if he desires it, I desire he would manifest it through Joseph the seer. And so he's just like, but if, if it's right, I, I, I guess I'll do it. You know, it's what I want to do. I think it is important to remember that sometimes because we are all part of the body of the church that sometimes you might be given a gift for a calling that maybe you didn't want to have that calling, but we're all part of the body and everybody has to do the work and we're all going to have different callings. And I'm sure you can look back at callings that you wish you never had. I know what mine is already. Um, I was once called as the organ player, everyone, and I'm a really good piano player. I have no idea how an organ even functions. And I went to church every Sunday, and on the way out the door, Greg would grab my makeup bag because we had to go to church an hour early so I could practice. And the whole time I practiced, I cried. The whole time for a year, I did that calling. And I would go in the bathroom after and put my makeup back on and come out and do church. And it was terrible. And I wish I could say to you, but then... I was the best organ player in the world. Or, but then I learned this lesson or my life was changed because I was the organ player. Nope, it, none. I have no idea why I was the organ player. I was terrible at it. There were other people in the ward who could have been the organ player who were better than I was. And sometimes you just have to be the organ player, everyone. And if you love playing the organ, then sometimes you have to be... I don't know what calling you don't want, but whatever it is. I do love, too, how you meet people 
And some people, their favorite calling is not yours. And it makes yeah. me go, oh, oh that good. makes me so happy. Right, same. Where you're just like, oh, it, and it's nice. It's awesome. It's so, when you compare it to the body of Christ, it's like, it's refreshing to know, like, I don't have to be good at everything. Mm-hmm. And by divine design, I'm not going to be good at the same stuff that other people are. Like, that's on on purpose. And yeah. if you took a body and you were just like, what if everyone was an eyeball? Right, <laughs> then you would be have a haunted house is what you would have. That's all you would have is the yes. haunted house yeah. instead of a nice, beautiful body. Like on purpose, part of the beauty is how different you know everybody is, and and that everybody's welcome, and yeah. they all bring their best things to the place. And may we all be better at seeing the best things. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Right, I think it's great, and 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 you practice along the way. I just. Just, I know this is going to sound like a PS and maybe it is because I just, as I was reading this, like that one that stood out to me is like, to some is given the gift to know and to others is given the gift to believe. And it just, I feel like we live in a culture of certainty, Mm. you know, where it's like honored to like say that, you know, and I would feel bad if somebody has the gift to believe and they thought that they had a lesser gift. Hmm. You know, and, and it That's seems so to me, if you did percentages, that more people have the gift to just believe, believe. you know, mm-hmm. and I, you just want people to know like, this beautiful, it's a beautiful gift. In this verse, it says it leads to eternal life. All of these gifts together lead to um, our end hope and goal. That's so eternal good. Life. So yeah, it's a good one, everyone. All right. Then we'll, we'll see, see you next you week. 50 for section 50. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.